Amen. All right. Let's pray. We already prayed, but um, abundance of prayer is never wrong. So let's pray. <laughs> Father, we thank you that you are going to open up the word unto us and give us understanding that will help us to walk in obedience to you. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're beginning our study in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter number one. And um, I will have one of you read for me. Revelation chapter one. Who would volunteer? So this is the, the series we're doing um, in this Bible study now is the Apocalypse, where we are specifically focusing on the book of Revelation, but we, we would also be um, referencing other scriptures as appropriate for the discussion. And so um, I would encourage you to come to this discussion with your Bible and a notepad and a pen to take notes. Make sure you're focusing. Um, a lot of my growth as a Christian came from Bible studies. Okay, Not even so much as Sunday service. It was more to do with Bible studies. And so I would really encourage you all to take these sessions very seriously. Don't think, oh, it's not church. Um, and so it's just some kind of conversations. This could actually form the bedrock and foundation of your whole Christian faith. Okay? So I encourage you to be involved, be, get in the, in the discussion. It will be an interactive session um, where I will ask questions, you will also ask me questions, and then we will all learn together. Okay? Um, so we're looking at the book of Revelation. I would want to ask Irina, if you don't mind, to read from verse 1 to verse number 7. So this okay. is a verse-by-verse verse study. Um, if you are familiar with how I do Sunday school teaching, that's similar to what we're going to do here. Um, Revelation chapter 1 from verse 1 to verse 7. Who will read for me? Irina. Okay. Um... This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant, John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. From the sevenfold spirit before his throne, and from Jesus Christ. He is a faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead, and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Look, he comes from the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, 
and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. 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 God bless you, Irina. I hope you are all looking into your Bibles as he was reading it. Um, we'll now go through it verse by verse, um, starting from verse 1. Um, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him so that his servants might have knowledge of the things which will quickly take place. And he sent and made it clear by his angel to his servant, John. So let's focus on the verse one. And um, if you have any question as we go along, please feel free to um, let me know. If you are on the Zoom, you can send a question by, by chatting so that I will, I will see. You can raise your hand also in the Zoom app and I will see to call you. Um, if you are joining by phone, you can simply unmute yourself and interrupt me, okay? Feel free to stop me and ask a question. So looking at the verse one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him. So when we talk of uh, our series is Apocalypse, and the Apocalypse is a word that it means a revealing, okay? So the actual book of Revelation um, is the Apocalypse. The book itself is the Apocalypse. It's a revelation. It's the revealing. The Greek word that is translated there as revelation is the word apocalypsis, which means laying bare or making plain or making naked, right? So it's a revealing. It's like you are unfolding something that is concealed, that is hidden. And that is the whole point of the book of Revelation. You know, it's a revealing. And a lot of, a lot of the times you would realize that the Bible is like that, you know? The Bible has to be opened up to you to understand. Uh, the people who would read the Bible and teach it in universities, professors who would teach it, but don't have a revelation of it. And so they don't have a transformation in their lives coming from their reading of the scriptures. You know, and that's why anytime you pick up the Bible to read, you don't read it like a storybook, right? And you don't read it like um, some form of fiction or any other book. It's a spiritual book that you must always approach it with a spiritual mindset that the Holy Spirit will come and explain the scriptures to you, you know, and, and make it come alive in your, in your spirit. And so that's, that's why we're going through the book of Revelation. It's, revealing something that is concealed, something that is hidden. And it's telling us it was a revelation that God gave to Jesus Christ. Okay? That God gave to Jesus Christ. And in this verse, we're seeing that God the Father is distinguished from God the Son. Right? That we, as we believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are all different persons 
in the Godhead, but it's not three gods, but one God. You know, if you try to understand it with your, <clears throat> with your human mind, you will get confused. Uh, and, and sometimes I, I wonder why we as little human beings try to understand God. You know, even, even your, yourself, even your own self, you, you hardly understand yourself to even want now to understand God. One of the basis for our worship of God is how awesome he is, how great he is, how he is beyond our understanding. That's why we worship him. You know, someone said that the day you fully understand God, he ceases to be God. He ceases to, to, to be that awe-inspiring being, right? That does not mean that um, God won't grant you understanding of some parts of him or some areas of his working. He does that. Sometimes he gives us understanding, but we we'll never fully come to understand who um, or how he is and has revealed himself to us. The closest we can come to is by looking at Jesus Christ. You know, the, the full revelation of God, the Bible says, is in Jesus Christ. And so um, just wanted to mention that the Godhead is fully revealed also in this book of Revelation. As we go through, you would see God the Father at work. You would see Jesus Christ at work. You would see the Holy Spirit at work. Actually, in today's lesson, we'll get to a portion where the Holy Spirit also comes in. Okay. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants. So it's kind of God giving a revelation to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was in turn to reveal it to his servants. Okay. Uh, this kind of reveals some order that God always has in his kingdom. God always respects order and, and leadership. You know, he, he just doesn't do things any, any way. He, he always respects leaders that he puts in place. So, for instance, he, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come and die. And that through Jesus Christ, the church, which is us, will come to being. And so now God the Father wants to speak to the church. He doesn't bypass Jesus Christ to come to us. He, he gives the revelation to Jesus. And then Jesus doesn't also just go straight to the larger body or the church. Jesus passes it on to his servants, which we would see. He sends the message to the leaders of the churches. And then the leaders of the churches are then to pass it on to the members of the church. And that is why it is very important when you are part of a church to respect church leadership. You know, it doesn't matter how um, full of mistakes the leaders may, may, may have within themselves because they are human, right? We're human beings. We're not perfect like Jesus is. And so, granted, if you look very closely and pay attention, you would see some mistake somewhere or some flaw somewhere in a leader or in a pastor 
or sometimes I might say something that might hurt you, right? Or do something that you may not like. But it doesn't mean that you dishonor the, the honor that God has placed on his servants in putting them in the positions where they are. You see, it's, it's so important for our spiritual development because um, can you just imagine being part of one of these churches whom God the Father has spoken to Jesus to speak to his servants so that the servants will speak to the members. And then you are a member of one of these churches and then you don't respect the leader. And so you don't honor anything the leader says. You know, what effectively will be happening is that the message that God has passed to Jesus and Jesus has then passed to the, the leader of the church to pass on to you, you will not be receiving it because you think it's coming from the leader, but you don't know that it's actually coming straight from God. That's how church is. You know, when pastor is preaching, and like even we're studying right now, you may think that um, it's just us deciding we want to do this, but really, God's working in the background and orchestrating things in a way that you and I will hear exactly what he wants us to hear. I'll say a few more things in the verse one, and then um, I'll let Pastor Cheryl add on any, any more things in that verse, and then we'll, we'll discuss it for a bit and move on, okay? So still in the verse one, he sends it, Jesus then sends it to his servants. And what are those? He says, they are the things which must shortly come to pass, right? They are things which must shortly come to pass. So God's revelation to Jesus Christ, which Jesus is to send to his servants, that revelation, which we are about to study is about things that are shortly to come to pass. Okay, it's a revelation about the end times. Now, this in itself is very um, instructive that God is able to tell things that are going to happen before they happen. You know, the Bible actually says that God speaking he was, God was trying to compare himself or not, not to say compare himself for lack of a better word. There's, there's none that can compare to God. But you know, some people who are ignorant were trying to compare God to idols that they were worshiping. And God was responding to them in the book of Isaiah and saying, who can you compare me to? And he was asking them that who is it that can declare things that are not yet come to pass, can talk about them and make them come to pass. You know, so God was sort of describing that this was one of his unique um, features that he has as God to be able to know the end from the beginning. You know, it is, it is only God who can predict 700 years before Jesus is born, where he will be born. I mean, the village where he'll be born and how that he'll be born by a virgin and, and all the circumstances that will surround his birth. You know, I mean, it, it will only be God. And this 
speaks to us as to one of the reasons why we believe in the authority of the scriptures. You know, it's one of the things that help us to understand that the Bible is not a humanly generated book. There is no human being who can tell what can happen in the future so accurately as the Bible has described several events that have already happened many, many years before they happened. That's why you and I believe in the authority of the Bible. Right? Yes, it's, it's a human being that picked a pen and wrote it down. But when we read it and we realize the authority of it and some of the things that have come to pass, we realize that it wasn't the human being's own mind. It was God who the Bible says inspired them or breathed into them to be able to write what was written. And that's why you and I shouldn't take the Bible lightly at all. I mean, the Bible is a supernatural book. It's a spiritual book. It's a divine book. There has been no book on earth like it. There is no other book that has been in print for so long and is still the number one bestseller up until now, still on top, everywhere, in every language. I mean, if not all the languages of the world, most of the languages of the world, the Bible has been translated. And yet it has not been without opposition. Um, if you guys remember, when we did the series um, Martus, and we looked at how the church went through persecution, one of, the, one of the persecutions was in relation to the scriptures, where they wanted to just burn all the copies of the Bible that were, that, that were available at the time. But the Bible has survived all this while. So, oh wow, I, I stopped looking at my time. <laughs> my last point on verse 1, um, it says, and he sent, that is Jesus, he sent this message to his servants and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. So this, this part really is important for us to, to note. The word there signified, if you are looking at the um, King James Version or whichever version you are using, it might, it might say it showed or revealed or, or something, but the actual Greek word there um, is rightly translated signify. You know, and it's, it's talking about how the whole book of Revelation is a book of signs, right? Jesus communicated whatever the Father showed to Jesus and that Jesus was to show to the church. Jesus did that to John using signs. So he signified it to John. So he used signs to make it known. Oftentimes, that's how God communicates. When Jesus came, he was teaching in parables. And, and as you read through the Bible, you would see God speaking. The Bible says, in a dream, in a vision of the night, in the book of Job, the Almighty speaks to the sons of men to seal their hearts with instruction so that he will prevent them from death. And so God oftentimes speaks to us through dreams. Right? You look at the dream God gave Pharaoh, and, and Joseph was able to interpret it. It was all signs, was symbols. He saw a cow, he saw um, fat, lean, fat cows, and then lean cows. Um, 
through science. Um, last Sunday and the previous Sundays, we've been studying the book of Daniel. And you see the visions that are there. They're all symbols. God using signs to convey a message. You know, and the intent here is that whenever God speaks, if you are not really serious about hearing him, you will not understand. You would have to pay attention and ask questions and probe further to really understand when God is speaking. And so as we go through the book of Revelation, you'll realize there are signs, there are symbols, there are many scary things. That's why people don't want to read the book of Revelation. But all those scary things are signs that we would be going deep into it to understand the message it carries. All right, I'll, I'll let Pastor Shara come in and then we will take some questions and charge the path forward. Yeah, thanks so much. I don't have much else to add because you're doing such a thorough job. <laughs> I will say something, even when I was studying this before I came on the call, the word revelation, right at the beginning that Pastor Cyril mentioned, apocalypsis in, in Greek, it's only mentioned in this book once. It's only mentioned here. John, throughout the rest of the book, says that this is a book of prophecy. It's a book of prophecy. This prophecy. Give this prophecy to the church. And so those two are related. They're, they're very related. Um, the idea of, of revelation and, you know, God revealing something to you, and as Pastor Steele said, to pass it on then to other people, is the same kind of idea of that prophecy, right? If we receive a prophecy from God, it's the same thing to, that's to pass on to other people, usually. Sometimes it's for yourself, but usually it's to be able to pass on to, to somebody else, a message that God has. So those two are very, very correlated, and, and John knows that um, as, as he's writing this. So, and yeah, that angel... We wonder who that angel is sometimes, the angel that shows him all of these, all of these visions. Because for the rest of the book of Revelation, John is with this angel. And the angel shows him this. The angel shows him this thing. And there's a couple times even that John is so overcome by what he is seeing that he goes and he falls down before this angel to worship the angel. And the angel is just like, no, 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 like worship only God, like serve only him. And we never get to know who this angel is. We only ever know two angels' names in the whole Bible. We know Michael and we know Gabriel. That's it. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to think. I mean, that is, the, that is one of the functions of an angel, is to be able to, to do God's work, to give God's messages, a huge one, as we know, and uh, to, be able, yeah, to, to be the messenger that, that from God. So the angel is really doing that in, in this book. So, yeah, I don't have much else to add, but uh, there you go. Awesome. Thanks so much, Pastor Cheryl. That was much that you added. Thank you. Uh, any question um, before we, we move on to verse 2? Anybody has any question? Okay. I'll take that. As Wait, a, I do. Okay. Go ahead. Um, it's actually, it's not about this because me and Beverly, we did um, a revolution plan. We ended it today. Today was my last day. Okay. And so like my question is from like chapter 20. So should I just wait until we get there or like, should I just ask you now? <laughs> I try, I tried to trick me or what? <laughs> um, oh. What I would say, I would say both. So first ask your question. Let me see if, if bits of it are related to chapter one. And, and if not, we will, we will reserve it for when we get to chapter 20. So ask the question. Okay, so for the, uh, for the final judgment, 
who exactly is being judged because before that time you know the rapture already happened and like it said like oh the sea gave up their dead and like the death and the graveyard of their dead and all that stuff so is it the people that died during like what even is the time called like the, not, the tribulation like when the bees came and stuff is it those people that died or like the people or like do people not go to heaven yet they just stay in their grave and then final judgment comes or okay that's a very very good question and i think that's setting the tone for for pastor cheryl and myself <laughs> to to, to, to know what questions will be coming up. Um, it's, I would say this is more reserved for when we get to the chapter, um, Irina, but um, you're bringing an idea to my mind right now that it will be helpful if for every one of you on the call, any questions you may have about the end times to send that through to us. Maybe um, send it to any, any, any of the, youth that who can send it to me okay um whether it's irena or beverly or anel or um, isaac or any of you guys who can send it directly to me if you can if you have my contact and can send it directly to me by all means do that send us the questions like irena has asked that you have so that as we go through we will address these questions okay so it's 744. Um, I really don't want us to go past 830. Okay. Uh, I would want to wrap up by 810, 815 so that we can get into some question and answers there. But we will interject as we go along with questions so so that it's not all left to the end. So let's let's go on. In verse 2, Revelations chapter 1, verse 2. So Jesus, God the Father, gives this apocalypse revelation to Jesus Christ. And Jesus is in he, the, the intent there is for him to show it to his servants, things which must shortly come to pass. And Jesus does that by using signs, and he sends it by his angel to his servant, John. Okay. Now, John, in verse 2, is really talking about John. Uh, what did John do? It says, John bear record of the word of God. What he received, he bear record of it and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all the things that he saw. Okay, so John is more like a, a steward here, a custodian. Somebody, Jesus is entrusting the word of God to and then John bear record of it. John um bear record of the word of God, of the testimony of Jesus Christ, and of all the things that he saw. Now, this is really telling us what is expected of all of us who have received the word of God. You know, when, when God's word comes to us, it's not just meant for us. You know, we must bear record of it. We must speak of it. We must pass it on, like, like our theme for this year is, pass it on. Like all the things that we are going to learn in this Bible study, it's not just for you and I. It's for us to bear record of it, to testify of it to others, to speak of it, so that others can also come to know the truth. And that's exactly what John did. I mean, can you imagine when John saw all of this, that he just slept over it and didn't do anything about it, didn't write it down? we won't be having this Bible discussion. 
and all the things about the end that God has spoken of as going to happen, we will not know. And we'll just be there and they will be happening. Meanwhile, God had revealed it through Jesus Christ to John. So it's very important that as we read the Bible, I mean, some of you, I see that you are going to various Bible plans on you version. Excellent. I really love when I, I'm seeing um, the scripture highlights and the notes and all of that on you version. Keep up the good work. But remember that we must bear record of what we have heard. You know, and that's why I will have some of you be teaching. I've, I've already done that to a few of you. Say, hey, come teach the Sunday school class. You know, it's a great opportunity for you to bear record of what you have received as you teach. One of the, one of the things I like about ministry and doing God's work is the more you minister to others, the more you receive from God. It's always like that. Anytime I get into a hiatus where I am not doing ministry. I'm not touching other people. I find that the flow from God gets blocked. You know, the more you minister to other people, the more God ministers to you. So let's get into that habit. Now, so John bear record of the word of God and then of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all the things that he saw. Now, with that, I want us to read 1 John chapter 1. Because this is the same John that wrote First John chapter 1. And let's read verse 1. Um, who is there? Irina, are you there? First John chapter 1, verse 1. Yeah. Can you read for me? Read from verse 1 okay. to verse 3. Okay. <clears throat> First John chapter 1. Verse one to chapter to the, anyways, um we proclaim to you <laughs> the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard <laughs> whom we have heard and seen. We saw with our own eyes and touched him with our own hand. He is a word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. Now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Now, uh, this is the same John who, wrote, who who's writing the book of Revelation that we're reading. See, his emphasis, and John is, is, is he, he likes to place emphasis on a personal experience. Right? It's not, it's not that um, something I heard somebody say or something like this is something that I have experienced myself and I'm talking about. That's John. You remember John. John was the youngest disciple of Jesus, was the one who was described in the Gospels as the beloved disciple. He was the one whom Jesus loved, quote unquote. Right. Um, he was closest to Jesus when they were sitting at the Lord's Supper on the table, it was described as the one who puts his head into Jesus's bosom, right? He, he, he liked to have a, a tangible experience, not to be far away. He, he, John wasn't the type who was okay being far away. You know how some of us, we go to church, we like to sit at the back, like way far away from, from the action. 
right? John wasn't the type. John was the type he wanted to be close. He wanted to have first-hand experience, you know, and, and I wanted to highlight that in, in, in Revelations chapter 1, verse 2, because it's, it's quite very significant to what we're discussing in this whole Bible discussion. It says in the verse 2, the very last part, that John bear record of the word of God, the testimony of Jesus Christ, and of all the things that he saw. You know, and we're seeing in 1 John 1, where John is describing how everything he has talked about. He said, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, right? And which our, our eyes have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life, right? He said, that which we have seen in the verse 3, which we have seen and heard, is what we are declaring to you. The point I want you to note is that your testimony of Jesus Christ and the record that you will bear of the word of God is largely hinged, founded upon your personal experience and encounter with God. You know, a lot of the times we, we shy away from talking to others and passing our faith on because we haven't had in ourselves a convincing experience of God. And that is what I would challenge each and every one of you to every day on a daily basis aim for, work towards, sacrifice for, want to know God for yourself. You know, I mean, the, the best I can, I can do is teach you and talk to you and challenge you. But the bulk of the work, the large part of the work depends on you having that desire to know for yourself the things that are written and revealed in God's word, to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit for yourself, to experience his power and know him for yourself so that when you're talking about him, it's not something you read in a book, but it's something you have experienced for yourself. He said, I bear witness of the things that I saw. Amen. So I really want to challenge each and every one of, of us as we go through this thing to desire for a personal relationship with God, an encounter with him that you can then speak to others about. Now in the verse three, um, before we go on to verse three, anybody has any question, um, Pastor Cheryl, anything to jump in with? I'm going to come back to that one. Keep okay. going. All right. Anyone, any question? Okay, so verse 3, it says, Blessed is he who reads it and hears the words of this prophecy. So like Pastor Cheryl was saying, later on then, John begins to describe um, this book as a prophecy. And so blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keeps those things which are written in it because the time is near. Okay, now let's look closely at this verse. Blessed is he who reads it and hears the words of this prophecy. Let's start with the description of it as a prophecy. You know, the Bible as a whole is actually described as a prophecy, right? The Bible says that in, uh, I've forgotten which scripture, one of, the, one of the books of Peter, or is it, if it's, if it's the writing of Paul, in Timothy, I think it's Peter, it talks about for 
this prophecy, speaking of the scriptures, did not come to us through human interpretation, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, right? And, and what is prophecy? Prophecy is speaking forth God's word, declaring whatever God has said, right? So when God speaks and then I hear, and then I repeat what he has said, I am prophesying, okay? So I will be prophesying by speaking what God has spoken. And that's how come um, this book is a prophecy. Because if you remember, God spoke, revealed it to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ then passed it on to his servants through John. And the, the leaders, the servants of Jesus, are then to proclaim it, to speak it out. So as they do, it becomes a speaking forth of what God has said, and that is prophecy. Now, that gives us a foundation to understand the blessing that was proclaimed when he said, blessed is he who reads it. Okay, uh, remember, at the time when John was writing this, the Bible was not on, on, an, on an iPhone or Android phone like you have it, or written in books that everyone had a copy of. There was, there was nothing like that in the, in the first century Christian church where there were various copies of the Bible that everyone had um, the privilege of having their own. You know, it tells us how privileged we are in our days. In those times, probably in a church, they would have one copy of the Bible, and even that, it's just portions of it, right, that the leader would have. And so when they gather together in a church, what happens is the leader reads the scriptures that they have so the people will listen to it. And that is all they will have heard from God's word until they meet again where there will be another reading from the scriptures. And that's how they were reading their Bible. It was when they gather together, then they hear it being read to them. And of course, with, with the reading will come, I, I, I imagine, some discussion and some explanation for them to get understanding. But they didn't have their own copies of the Bible. So that, that tells us two things. One, that we are very privileged. And when we stand before God on Judgment Day, I mean, can you imagine standing with some other Christian from the first century who didn't have their own Bible, but had a strong faith in Jesus, that we, in the 20th century, having our own Bible, probably two, three, four of it, and having several versions on our phone, still have doubts about God. It will not be a very pleasant thing, a position to be in. I mean, I don't see how God will have considerations for us if he doesn't for them. We are very privileged. We have everything on hand. We don't have it only written. We have it recorded as audio. There is no excuse why we will not get into the Bible and eat it up. Okay, so that's one. The second thing is, why is it a blessing for the one who reads it, right? So, I mean, you can, in today's terms, when you read that, you would, you would take it as, oh, I'm blessed by reading it like a book as it's in front of me. Well, you can look at it that way, but the intent originally is the one who proclaims it and 
reads it to others because that's how they were reading their scriptures, right? The one who proclaims it and reads it to other people so that other people get to hear it is blessed, you know? And in all of the Bible, actually, this is the only book where there is a special blessing proclaimed on people who make others aware of what is in this book. So I think I'm getting a very special blessing <laughs> by, by making all of you aware right now of what is in it. And you also will get a special blessing by making others aware of what is in this book. You know, and that's why I will encourage us to all participate in this. Um, if you have any questions, share it because your questions will, will bring up discussions that will help others. And as we all do that, we will be blessed. Amen. And then verse 3, he also talks about the blessing is not just for those who read it and hear the words of, the, of this prophecy, but those who keep those things which are written in it. If you have another version, it says, those who obey the things that are written in it. Very important addition in that verse. Those who obey. I want to ask a question on this. Okay. The question that I'm asking is, is there a difference between understanding something and obeying something? And which of the two is more important? Who will answer that question? Try and answer before I call you. You know I will call you. Okay, Beverly. Unmute yourself and answer the question. <laughs> you, you knew I will call you. I did. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so um I think there is a difference, but I don't know which one's more important. Because you know, understanding something is like and maybe obeying because uh-huh. obedience is important. You get what I'm saying? Like understanding uh-huh. something can mean like you understand it, but it doesn't mean that you like you know, like you like agree with it. You get what I'm saying? Like you apply to it like in your life, like obeying it would mean like you like taking like you like I don't know how to describe it but you just doing it you get what I'm saying like you just what the word is like you obeying what God has told you to do rather than just understanding it if you get what I mean I I, I know what you mean what what Beverly is saying obeying is like obeying and and understanding (laughs) is like understanding That's the only way I could put it. <laughs> well, uh, I get you. Um, there is, like, like you say, is there is there somebody else who wants to add to it? Please, guys. Me. Okay, go ahead. Uh, who is this? Okay, yeah, yeah, me, me, me. Okay. okay. <clears throat> who is talking? Wait, wait, Irina, you want to talk? You can go first. Okay, um, I think it's obeying that's better. There is a difference, and I think obeying is better because, like, let's say, for example, like, 
your parents tell you something and they say like you understand like you obviously understand what they're saying but you can say no and not obey it so i think it's better to obey than to like you need both but obeying is like more greater in my opinion wow okay thanks anel that's that's a great addition and uh, irena you wanted to add something um mine is kind of like a nail just like let's say god tells you something and you process that but you don't apply what he told you then there's really no, no point in what he told you you know what i'm saying right right exactly you guys that that's awesome um understanding is different from obeying right and understanding is like Beverly said, is understanding <laughs> what has been said, as in knowing exactly what is meant, knowing what is required to be done, right? Getting it, right? So your teacher did some um, chemistry equation on the board, saying to balance the equation, and whether it's redox reactions or whatever kind of equation, you understand it. You understand the chemistry behind it. You get it, right? But as in obeying, which is applying. So taking that thing that you understand now and applying it into real life to create something, to make something, it's a completely different thing altogether. A lot of people end up with understanding. You know, and understanding is good. I mean, if, if you, I think it was last, last two weeks when we talked, I was challenging you guys on getting understanding. The Bible says, get wisdom and with all you're getting get understanding you know so understanding is important in fact as we will see if we get to it one of the seven manifold expressions of the holy spirit is the spirit of understanding you know so god wants us to understand god doesn't like it when when you don't understand when he speaks you have to understand but understanding without obedience is zero it's like you, you you really didn't get anywhere you actually even make your matter worse when it comes to judgment day because you knew it and you didn't do it right but obedience is the highest you know you can obey without understanding uh, if you've heard it being said for people who are in the army they say obey before complain right or obey before you ask questions it's like you're told to do something by your army uh, general. You 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 don't you you don't seek for understanding before you obey. You just do it. You don't have to know all the ins and outs of why, right? But you just do it, and that is obedience. And when you are a child of God who is like that, where when God speaks, you just act and obey. I mean, you become God's favorite. That's that's a person like Abraham, you know. Abraham didn't have to understand what God was doing. He just had to make sure he had heard from God. And that was it. He would just obey. Like, for instance, get out from your, 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 your family, get out from your people, go to a place where I would show you. He doesn't begin to ask questions. God, where is this place? And um, will I have enough food there to feed my family? And um, are there animals there that I need to be aware of? And what, what, what is the path to get to this place? You know, you can ask all those questions to try to understand, but 
You know, obedience is more important. And so he just sets out in faith and God begins to commend him and approve of him. And, and he's now called the father of faith because he obeys even before he understands, right? And as we go through this studies, that's one thing I want you to pay attention to. A lot of the times when people start to study the book of Revelations, we get ourselves caught up in trying to understand in trying to get every bit of it. But I mean, it's not everything you will understand. There, there are many things that have been intentionally encrypted to, to be sealed, right? And so the best we can do is to make um, conjecture here and there that looking at here and this and these other scriptures, this is what we think it means, right? But it doesn't change the ultimate purpose of the book, which if we get into it, you would see in the very last chapter, it states it very clearly, which is to obey God and to fear God and to live right and to live holy, you know, and to be ready for his coming. You know, those are, those are points of command that demands our obedience. And I will really challenge each and every one of us um, to examine yourself as we go through this what is in what is being talked about that demands my obedience always ask yourself that question i want to pause here for pastor cheryl to come in before we continue yeah thanks i wanted to focus on that last little bit i know pastor cyril mentioned it in verse one too but the very end of that uh blesses those who listen to this message obeys what it says for the time is near the imminence of Jesus return. We know rapture could happen any moment. Jesus is coming back anytime now. The time is near. And it's interesting because this, there's other books of revelation and prophecy in the Bible that are, that talk about the end times. I mean, Jesus even talks about it. And the book of Daniel, the end of the book of Daniel talks a lot about it. And it's interesting at the end of the book of Daniel, which was a few hundred years before Jesus was born. He's hearing all these things about the end of time. And God says to him, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end. And he says it again. He says it twice in the last, in the last chapter. I have said this to, sorry, what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. So after the book of Daniel was written, Daniel's so overwhelmed with everything he's seen. He's trying to understand it. He can't make heads or tails of what's supposed to be going on. He's asking God all these questions. God doesn't answer all of his questions. But God just tells him, seal up this book until the time of the end. And then we get to Revelation. And in the very first, in the very first verses of the first chapter, it's saying the time is near. And at the end of, of the book of Revelation, it says, don't seal up this book. Like, let everybody know because the time is about to happen. And so that transition now to we're living in the end times. John thought he was living in the end times. Paul thought he was in the end times. Every Christian since them has thought that they were living in the end times. I mean, the first century church thought that Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. They were waiting for him to come back before they had even died. And we thought, we think that Jesus is coming back at any moment, right? And, and he might be, and we should be prepared for that. But just the, the excitement of it, the edge of our seat of it, the, the imminence of it 
kind of causes this, this desire, this motivation, this purpose that we have to, yeah, to be attentive. I think Pastor Cyril was saying that too, to, to be on the alert. Um, and, and Jesus talks about that too, right? Like, you know, keep your eyes open because this is going to happen at any moment. Life's going to be happening just as it always has right up until Jesus comes back. And so, but to be able to, to be able to keep our minds focused on, okay, God, you're coming at any time. And I love this one verse. I should have looked it up. Uh, I think it's in Luke when Jesus was talking about the end times. He says, when you start to hear of all these things happening, pestilence, wars, earthquakes, all this stuff, he says, stand and look up for your salvation is near. And I think John is really giving that push to the time is near. You know, this is uh, verse one was saying, these are the events that are soon to take place. In other prophecies, I was talking about the end times in the Bible. It's like, these things are going to happen. This is what's going to take place. But the word soon is now in there. And so just to feel that too, it, it gives us uh, gives us a little bit of anticipation, <laughs> if nothing else. That's awesome. That's awesome. I like, I like that emphasis. Um, the time is is near and um, right now even unbelievers know that uh, something is coming into our world that there's some unusualness about the times we're in now and it's so important for us as Christians to not lose sight of the fact of the nearness of his coming amen so thank you a lot thank thanks very much Pastor Sheriff for reminding us of that um, looking at the time, I think we can't go past verse 7 today. I was hoping we could do the whole chapter, but we'll have to end at verse 7. I don't want us to rush through this. Um, but before we go on, the verses 8 to the end, um, very, very amazing description of even how Jesus looks. And we'll get into very interesting conversations about uh, some other groups who have come up picking it up from that portion of scripture, giving us some drawings of what they think Jesus looks like and why um, they are wrong. Okay. So some of you may be interested. So don't miss, don't miss the session next week and um, be sure to send out invites to your friends, um, whether they are youth or not, feel free to invite them to join the call. Okay. But we're looking at verse four to verse 7 right now. And I'll try and do that in the next 10 minutes so we can take questions. <laughs> so um, John, verse 4, it says, John is now writing to the seven churches. So here, it's a, verse 4, it's a typical, um, I would say, introduction of a letter. You know, if you read the other epistles, it always begins with who the author is. And... Um, who they are writing it to. Um, I, am I still connected? Can you hear me? Okay. All right, good. Uh, so John is writing to the seven churches. Sorry, give me a, give me a, a moment here. Let me see if I'm still on the call. Okay, I am still on the call. I, I just I was having a, a phone call from Kofi. Um, we have we have a live stream that's happening at nine o'clock. 
And that's why I have to end at age 30. Um, so he's calling me, but I'll follow up with him. Now, I was talking about verse 4. It's saying that John, writing to the seven churches, and I was saying that it was this is typical of a, an introduction. So John introduces himself as the author, writing to the seven churches which are in Asia. And he begins with a blessing. Grace be unto you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come from and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Right? And then in verse 5, he goes on, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. I, I just love this scripture. Come on. And the first begotten of the dead. It just excites me when I'm reading it. So pardon my excitement. The first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto, who, unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Amazing. Now I'm beginning to doubt if we'll be able to get it done in 10 minutes, but um, let's see what God would show us in this portion of the scripture. So in verse four, he, John is introducing himself. He's writing this letter because Jesus told him, write everything you're seeing. So he's writing it and he's prefacing it as the author, John to the seven churches who are in Asia. And I must say, I mean, maybe I'll leave that part because Cheryl can help us in, in terms of the historical location of Asia and all of those things. Um, uh, I'll leave that for her to talk about that. Um, but I'll just go on. Grace be unto you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ. So remember I was talking about how the whole Trinity is being revealed in this book of Revelation. Here is a very classic example of where the three persons of the Godhead are being mentioned in these two verses. So the first part, he who is, that is, who is and was and is to come, is a reference to God, right? God, God the Father, um, also in a sense, it also um, could be apl applicable to Jesus. But if you look at verse 4 and 5 here and you look at it together, it makes more sense that it's a reference to God the Father. And then, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, um, if you have more modern translations, it will say the sevenfold spirit of God um, rather than seven spirits, giving the idea that it's seven spirits. So the Holy Spirit is one spirit. It's not seven spirits, but the Holy Spirit has um, manifold expressions in seven in seven ways, right? And in, in the scripture, sometimes it calls it the seven spirits of God. Uh, don't get confused when you hear that. It's not that there are seven spirits. It's one Holy Spirit who has seven different expressions, for lack of a better word. Even, even using the word expressions is not very accurate, you know? And it all comes down to us as human beings being limited in how we describe God. You know, it's not everything that you can describe in English. There are many things that is beyond, we don't have the right words, even in English, to describe it. You know, so some of the visions that you go through in the Bible, you would say, they would say, and I saw someone who looked like a man. You know, when, when you see 
expressions like that, it does not mean that whatever they saw was a man. It's just that they didn't find the right description for what they are seeing. And so the closest they can use in their language is it looks like a man, right? And we'll see that when we, we get into the vision of Jesus that John saw. And so when I say the expressions, the Holy Spirit having seven different expressions, I, I'm only saying that because in the English description, that, that's the best I can say, right? But don't get confused in terms of what it means. Now in Isaiah chapter 11, and maybe we'll read that scripture so you, you'd get it. There is um, mention of the different expressions or manifold expressions of the Holy Spirit that make up the seven descriptions that are also mentioned here in the book of Revelations. So Isaiah chapter 11, um, let's read from verse 1. Irina, are you there? Yeah. Okay. Irina, your voice is very low, if you don't mind. Increasing your volume or getting close to uh, your mic. Yep. Okay. Yes, verse one. Isaiah chapter 11, read from verse one to verse number two. Okay. <clears throat> I can hardly hear you. Is it just me? Yeah, I can I hear. You I can, can hear, hear clearly? Okay. Go on, go on, Irina. Okay. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root, and the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, some of you might remember in one of the series we did at church, I talked about the seven spirits of God. And um, in this scripture, we see various descriptions of what's making up this sevenfold description of the Holy Spirit. First is called the Spirit of the Lord, right? Verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This Isaiah chapter 11 is a prophecy about Jesus. Let me, let me just say that so you understand what we're reading. This is a prophecy about Jesus Christ describing who he is. You know, and again, uh, one of the mysteries about the Bible is how it's able to know things even before they happen. So Isaiah is writing hundreds of years before Jesus comes but he's giving a prophecy and a description about who Jesus would be like. And he's saying that Jesus will come out from the stem of Jesse, right? And it's, that's a prophecy about the lineage of Jesus, that he will come out from the lineage of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. So if you remember, when you get into Matthew chapter 1, where it talks about all the genealogy and all the weird names that you don't like to read when you're reading Matthew, um, it's just to show that Jesus came out from the family of David, just as Isaiah prophesied, right? And then in the verse two, it talks about the spirit of the Lord. So that's number one, the spirit of the Lord will rest upon Jesus. And then the spirit of wisdom, number two, then the spirit of understanding, number three, and then the spirit of counsel, number four, 
the spirit of might. Number five, the spirit of knowledge. Number six, and then the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Number seven, you know, I mean, at another time, we can look at all of these um, expressions of the Holy Spirit and what we can learn from it. But this is what, um, what's his name? John is referring to in the verse four, when he talks about, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, it's not seven different spirits. It's just the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit manifested in these seven different um, expressions that we've just seen. Then verse five, he talks about, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten from the dead, the prince of the kings or the ruler of the kings of the earth. Okay, um, I don't think I can get beyond this, this verse. I'll stop here at verse five. Um, now, Jesus is described as the faithful witness. I love that description. You know, the, the Greek word for witness there is the word martus. Now, if you guys remember when we did a series, martus, and I talked to you about when the Bible talks of a witness, it's not as simple as somebody who goes to tell um, what they've heard or seen, which even though it means that, but the, the earlier disciples, the first century church, when they heard the word witness, what they really heard was somebody who is prepared to die for what they believe, right? That you'll be a witness of the things you have heard. It means that you will not only speak about it, but you bet your whole life on it. That even if it means death, you will not deny it. That's, that's what they meant. Uh, when, when, when the Bible says you shall, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. When, when that word witnesses in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is the word martus, is the same word here, right? Where it's not just a description of you, you will go out and evangelize, but is that you will, you will do that even if it means death, that, that you, would, you would stand bold. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to do that. You know, that's why we need that power because without the power of the Holy Spirit, you cannot be a witness in the Bible sense for Jesus. And Jesus Christ in verse 5 of Revelation chapter 1, we're seeing that he is the faithful witness. I mean, how do we see that in Jesus? We're celebrating Easter right now. And why is that? Because Jesus was a faithful witness of what the Father had sent him to do. He came and bore witness. The Bible says in John, he bore witness to the truth. And he stood his ground on what he had come to bear witness of even when he was being crucified. And he was faithful to death on the cross and did not deny what the father had sent him to do when he stood before Pilate. I mean, Jesus could have just said anything at all that the Pilate wanted him to say and he would have been let go. But he stood his ground. He said, I, he said for, to, for this cause I was born and for this purpose I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. If you read John, I, I, I don't know the, the exact chapter and verse to tell you, but just read the whole book of John, you'll get it. <laughs> right? The point here is, when we talk of being a Christian, it's not some form of a religious expression or some kind of thing that uh, someone says, I'm a Muslim, someone says, I'm Buddhist, and then you say, I'm a Christian, kind of uh, different religious identification. Come on. No, Christianity is a life or death thing. The early Christians have always understood it to be so. 
the moment you sign up to be a Christian, they understood it to be that you have signed up your life for death if it came to it, that you are so convinced of the truth of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, you are so convinced that you are willing to lay down your life for it. And I am so convinced that where we are getting to in our generation, it will take people like you and I who are so convinced of this truth to make it. People who are on the fence, who are on the surface, don't want to get deep with God, they will be washed away. They will be blown away. If you, if you read Haggai, in Haggai chapter 2, I think, it talks about God shaking all things, and only the things which cannot be shaken will remain. You know, And so I will really challenge you. Um, get deep with God. Be serious with God. Don't, don't be like um, sitting on the fence, trying to just hear enough just so you can sneak into heaven. There is nothing like sneaking into heaven. Come on. You have to be fully into it. You know, you can't deceive. I mean, you can deceive me, but not God. So let's be serious with Jesus. He's a faithful witness, the first begotten from the dead. I, I can't talk about that because our time is up. And then the, the prince of the kings of the earth, and unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. I can't talk about all that. We'll pick it up next week. Um, I would want Pastor Cheryl to come on and, and kind of weave into, into it things that I may have just jumped over. <laughs> well, I want to say an interesting time, but if you do not have a, uh, if you don't have a map in the back of your Bible to find out where all that was, I don't know what you can see here. This was the Roman Empire. That little orange bit right there, the yellow bit, that was the province of Asia. And there yeah. are churches all in there. That, uh, those were the seven churches. So they didn't have churches in every single town. They didn't have churches in every single city. Church was just starting up. We've got seven churches now on one street. But, uh, you know, for them, that was all that was there. And the island of Patmos was actually just off of it. So he wasn't that far away when uh, John was exiled on the island of Patmos. We'll get to that. Uh, later, but that's where he was when he was getting this uh, this revelation. But yeah, I love what Pastor Cyril said about the the Trinity is all a part of this, and you can't separate the Trinity from what God is doing. Can't separate the Trinity from um, yeah from the from the prophecy that that God has to to give to the churches. So I the other things I want to say about uh, verse five, I think we're going to pick up next week because I want to get into the gospel a little bit. What uh, we'll pick that up later. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Pastor Cheryl. Sorry, I should have given a bit more time. Um, I was going to say, let's just go over five minutes. Um, but uh, since you've, you've, you, you said we'll go over it next week. So what we'll do next week is we'll, we'll start over from verse five and um, see if we can finish the chapter um, next week. And then um, I'll, I'll work with Pastor Cheryl. She might, she might lead um, the next chapter, uh, chapter two. And, and then we'll, we'll do a tag team as we go along. Now, any question? I want to pause for questions before we pray. Any question? Feel free. There's, there's no question that's not needed. Every question is important. Um, 
even if even if you think your question is not related to what we've talked about today, still ask it anyways, because we'll, we'll take a note of it so that we can address it in the subsequent session. So. Oh wait, I have a question. Okay. Well, it's not relating to I guess what we read or not really. But like I was thinking over like Good Friday and how um the devil like thought that through Jesus' death, like by him going like dying, everything will be over. But my question is how come the devil thought that if he knew that Jesus was God or did he know that Jesus was God? Right. Good question. Did um, how come the devil thought that by Jesus dying everything would be over? Did didn't he know that Jesus is God that you really can't kill God? <laughs> good, very good question. Um, Pastor Shara, you want to take that quickly? I'm trying to actually think of a Bible verse that says that Ju that uh, Satan um, rejoiced. Because I actually don't think that that's in the Bible. I hmm. think that that's part of Christian tradition that we talk about. And please prove me wrong. I want to actually, I wanted to Google it. If Pastor Cyril was going to talk about it, I was going to quickly Google it to see, is there actually a verse? Because if there is, I can't even think of it, of where hmm. Satan thought that he had won. Um, I think Satan keeps fighting. I mean, when we get to the end of Revelation, he keeps putting up a fight every time that he is knocked down. And that's just in his defiance to God. He knows he knows to be able to win. I think for him, part of what, what Satan wants is to just defy God as long as he can, to be able to take away as many souls from worshiping God and having a relationship with God as possible. And uh, yeah, he's not going to be able to, he's not going to let up on that, even though he knows in the end, he's the one who's going to be overthrown. So that's my answer to that one. Hope it helps. Right, right, right. No, that, that helps. I think there's a similar verse like that. What Beverly's saying, there's a similar verse. I can find it for you, um, God willing, next week. Okay. That says that his plans was that he thought he had overcome it, but he didn't knew that he was actually fulfilling the prophecy and actually bringing salvation to mankind. Something like that on the line. I'll find it next week, and God willing, I'll give it to you. Thank you, yeah. Abba. Okay. Right. Um, so I think we're talking about the same thing here. Um, there isn't particularly a verse that says the devil was excited or rejoicing. Um, no. But there is a verse that talks about if the princes of this world had known that crucifying Jesus, the Lord of glory, would have brought us salvation, they wouldn't have done it. And it's, it's in one of Paul's um, epistles, either Ephesians or or Philippians or Colossians, one of them in, in the in the very first um, chapter somewhere, right? And and so the point I think we can what we can only say is that the devil didn't know when he was orchestrating for Jesus to be killed. He didn't know that that was the very means by which God was going to save us, you know. And that underscores to us how um, I think we'll go into that next week when we look at the description of Jesus, how his hair is white as wool, um, signifying his wisdom, right? God is full of wisdom. I mean, even that 
description is, is not very proper, but because of our limitation with language, that's best we can say. Um, he's called, he's the only wise God. You know, he, the devil never matches up to, to God's wisdom. So sometimes when the devil thinks he's destroying something, God actually works through that to accomplish his purpose. And, and, and that's why um, when we get into, which we, we may not do in this session, when we get to various sessions or descriptions about the suffering in our world, why, why would a good God allow suffering? And those kind of topics, you would realize that as we get into it, that oftentimes if the devil trying to um, destroy what God is doing, thinking he's destroying it, but God still works through it to still accomplish his purpose, right? He thought he was making Jesus suffer and kill him, but he didn't know God was outsmarting him. Does that help, um, Anel? Yeah, thank you. Okay. You're welcome. We'll take one more question and then we'll pray. Um, Pastor, do you know the verse where it says that? Um, I will. I will find it and send it to you. Let me just quickly see if, um, where I think it is. Uh, so it's not there where I think it is. So I'll find it and send it to you, okay? <laughs> oh, wait, can you say it again one more time? Maybe I can so, use the button. Right. If the princes of this world had known yeah. that crucifying First yeah. uh, Corinthians chapter 2 verse 8. I just searched it. First Corinthians chapter two. So from verse, uh, start from verse six going. Um, verse eight, it says, "None of the princes of this world knew." It says, "But we speak of the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory." Right, so he's talking about when you see princes of this world. I mean, in Ephesians, the same Paul, when he writes about the principalities, rulers, spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places, um, it's not just a description of the, the kings and rulers of this world physically, but it's a description of spiritual beings um, that constitute the powers of darkness. And that if they had known that killing Jesus um, was going to bring up our salvation, which is the wisdom of God that he talks about, that we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, that wisdom of through the cross, our salvation will be worked out. There's a whole topic I don't want to get into um, in terms of the wisdom of the cross and, and the message of the cross. But you have the scripture. Let's end our discussion. Our time is up. Um, what I would say is it's Easter. One thing about Easter I don't want you all to forget is the cross, okay? Um, it's unfortunate that the message of the cross is being diluted in our generation today. That we, and Jesus knew this. Jesus knew that a generation is going to come where we will not remember the cross and the meaning of it and the message it carries. That's why he gave us a communion. He said, you know what? These guys are going to forget all that I've done. So, let them take the communion. 
drink my blood, eat my flesh, remember what I went through for you. So as we go through Easter, don't forget this. Don't forget the sacrifice. Don't forget what Jesus has done and how he has paid the price for us to become God's children. That it's not just a churchy thing that we go to church, dress up, go dance, go home kind of thing. No, somebody had to pour his blood. Somebody had to pay the price. And that is the wisdom of God and the cross of Jesus Christ, which we preach. So if you are joining us, um, I don't know everyone on the call, um, perhaps you've never had this relationship with Jesus. You really don't know him. And you can't really say for sure you were to die today, you would go to heaven. I want to give you an opportunity to make that decision. Okay. Um, I would actually specially invite you in the next 20 minutes at 9 p.m. We're going to do a live stream on our church website, live.livingwordag.org, or on our YouTube channel um, or Facebook. You just search Living Word Assembly of God Church Toronto. Just search it. You, you see it come up and get on the live feed. We're going to do a live drama presentation called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flame. Um, it will really speak to you if, if, if you are like that and you get an opportunity to give your life to Christ. I still want to give you an opportunity right now. Um, if you really haven't seriously committed your life to Jesus Christ, right now, God is speaking to us through coronavirus, through everything that is happening and what the Bible has talked about is going to happen. You and I, need to pay attention and give our lives to Jesus. So if you're like that, just close your eyes. Um, I'll let Pastor Cheryl lead us, uh, lead you into a prayer of salvation to give your life to Christ. And then once she's done, I'll pray and, and bless all of us before we disconnect. Pastor Cheryl. Thank you. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you that you died for us. Thank you that you endured so much pain. Thank you that you were cut off from God so that we never have to be cut off from you. You died to make us right with you. You died to take away my sins. Jesus, I'm ever grateful. Jesus, I know that I can't make myself clean. I can't make my sins right. Only by believing in you, Jesus. And I believe in you today. I know that you died for me. I know how much you love me. May I feel your love for me today. I believe you came back to life again. Please, Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins. Make me clean in my heart. You are my Lord. I want to live for you. I want to know your message for me. Thank you for speaking to us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you pray that prayer, I will really encourage you to text me. My number is 647, uh, sorry, not 647, 416 737 nine four four three four one six seven three seven nine four four three just text me and say i pray the prayer just that is enough um so i can continue to pray for you 
I want to be praying for you, especially so that you will stand strong in your faith. Okay, 416-737-9443. Just text me, say, I I pray the prayer so that I can continue to pray for you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine on you. May the Lord protect you, cover you with the blood of Jesus so that the plague that is going on in our world will pass over you, that you'll be exempt from being touched by the plague in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord himself reveal himself to you and cause you to know him and bring you closer to him in the name of Jesus. May you be a witness of what you have come to believe in. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you all. Amen. Um, Like we said, God bless you. Like we said, um, tomorrow, God willing, please visit the youth webpage. The link will be there by tomorrow. But Sashara has a very powerful message for us, as she mentioned, on disappointment. Um, make sure you are, you are listening to it. And like I told you guys, don't listen to it once. Listen to it at least twice or three times for you to get it. Because God does speak in symbols that you need to look at again and again to get it. Okay. And um, next week, we'll be back on this line at 7 p.m. Saturday. Please invite someone. Today, we are 23 on the call. Next week, I want to see our number double. Okay, so make sure I'm inviting someone. God richly bless you. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.